8.32 and he's in the studio. Nico, our petrol head. What a delight to have you down here, hey? Thank you very much. Nice to be here. And, and normally you would say he's in the studio with coffee. I sort of, that always rings in my ears and now he's in the studio without coffee. Yeah, Dr. Phil, like Dr. Phil, you, you commented on it, but he's in the studio without coffee. <laughs> yes, I, I, I had a lift. My, my excuse, which is a bit of a weak one, is I had a lift this morning to the studio. So um, that's why I didn't bring coffee. But it's still a weak one. It's not good enough. So it's I'm going to have to make it up today sometime. Especially because there's a little coffee shop right next door to the SAD Yeah, I, I didn't know that because this is my first <laughs> time in this studio. Although it's a lovely place. The studio is just, as you walk outside, you just see the... The ocean. the ocean. You can literally smell see the ocean, the see ocean. the waves. So yeah. it, it's in such a great spot in Cape Town. I, I can yeah. understand why you're here. It's <laughs> lovely. Do you know that I actually went kayaking just out on that? Um, so if you go up yeah. the SABC and then you walk sort of along the promenade mm-hmm. to the right, there's a place called Three Anchor Bay. And um, there's a fantastic kayaking organization there. And you, you go out no. into the ocean. And we really? went kayaking. You go for a couple of hours. I mean, it's amazing. And we just went kayaking into the ocean. And That's were, like something I could do. There were like little penguins shooting around. Really? There was um, a seal that popped its head up to look at us. There was, I mean, someone who was on, a, on a, one of those paddle boards close by said that he had just seen this huge sunfish, so big that he thought it was a shark, but it was a sunfish. Yes. Um, and then just little pink jellyfish. I mean, it was so unbelievably amazing. That's like something I could do. That sounds like something yeah. I need to do next time when I come down to so Cape So next time you come down, if I'm down here, we'll we're going kayaking. 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 Yes. So, Nico, you know, one, you, you've ha- you have to come in and, and you've, you've got a list of apologies. One, <laughs> one, of course, you've already started with is that you didn't bring coffee. Yeah, so they just rack up. Yeah, yeah the show won't get yeah, anywhere. They, I'll just apologize for the rest of the morning. racking up those <laughs> apologies. What are you apologizing for? Okay, let's start with hydrogen um, because... Um, um, I was saying hydrogen is expensive and, and, and I'm not so sure when it will be here. Um, and then I had a call, um, or I spoke to somebody from Ubuntu Green Energy, um, and they actually, um, they are producing hydrogen. Um, so um, in a little town, let me just get the town. So in the Karoo, there is actually in a town, um, they are producing hydrogen in Victoria West. So they have a hydrogen plant, and he said to me, it's actually not um, that expensive. produce hydrogen? Well, you, um, I think it's through electrolysis. electrolysis. Yes, I'm Afrikaans, so my brain's got to try and convert things to English. So you can see the gears going <laughs> <laughs> as I'm trying that. Um, I don't know the process 100%, but effectively it's from, it's from water you produce um, hydrogen, which effectively in an, in an electric car takes the hydrogen. and, and or The hydrogen cars are effectively electric, um, electric cars. So um, they actually talk about green hydrogen. And um, I see actually a while back already um, our government said that green energy is, is, is quite an important um, uh, focus point for them. And Germany is also looking at green energy. And of course, as well now with the war in U- Ukraine, you can imagine that anything Germany would, would, you know, if we can produce green hydrogen, that would be worthwhile. So that's mm. apology one. I apologize. So um, for those of you that yeah. were like going at home, banging on the table, listening to me in frustration. And going, what's this guy talking oh, such Why is he even on air? Like, what's he doing? <laughs> and then number three now, right? Hang on. Yes. So was, one was the coffee. Two was the, the hydrogen. Number three was Kailami. 
And I said, you know what? I don't think it'll come here because it's too expensive. Um, mm. So um, it seems like it might actually be coming sooner than later. Um, so the 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 boss of Formula One um, was here in the week. So, oh, hang on, let me just get all my stuff right. Stef, uh, Stefano Domenicali, um, which is the Domenicali rather, which is the boss of Formula One, actually came to Kailami to have a look at the track. So if the big boss of Formula One comes in, there's lots of rumors where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been a lot of talk about that, um, about Formula One in 2023, which is next year coming to South Africa. Now, I know I've seen Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen both saying that they would like to see Formula One here. Now, they're not the ones with the checkbooks, but when the, the racing drivers are supporting it, it's already, a, uh, you know, it, it's a good, uh, something to, to be excited about. And um, recently now, I see Toby Fenter, which is the boss of Kailami, has come out to say some of the changes they, they've come here and they say some changes have to be made. Things like the, the Kalami currently has gravel traps. So when you go off the track, there's gravel that stops the car. But of course, it'll damage the car, um, especially Formula One cars. Mm. You, don't, you know, in gravel really um, can damage them quite bad or you get stuck in the gravel and you can't come out. So some of the things is they'll have to put some tarred surfaces there. Um, so the cars, if they go off, the tar's quite grippy to slow them down. They need to, some places needs a bit more runoff space. They need tech pro barriers, which are like soft barriers effectively because racing even initially was quite dangerous if you came you know if you go back to the 60s and 70s if you, if you came off the racetrack you went into trees or fences well, then it was tire barriers yeah no they must have tire barriers which are still actually which were better so the racetracks all have tire barriers now they have tech pro barriers which are normally um, softer than tires um, a lot of them um, so it's another words a, a barrier that uh, absorbs the energy better than just tires which still is quite a quite a hard stop if you watch Formula 1 sometimes you'll see the guys going into the Tech Pro barriers and there's something I've always hated which we call sausage curbs um, so Kalami has not many but one or two sausage curbs it literally almost looks like a sausage and if you hit it with a car it'll break your suspension obviously there's places that don't want you to almost cut the corner so apparently that's some of the th changes that have been have to be made um, but I was also there a while back working um, and already the camera system and the track is amazing so they've already gone and set up because Formula 1 requires cameras at each corner to know exactly what's happening with and that's part of the FIA um, so the infrastructure is very good so it's very exciting and chances are hopefully that by 2023 which is next year we might see a race at Kalami. So okay so there's the apology mm -hmm. long apology but 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 one of my questions mm -hmm. around that is we were talking off air about the cost of those tickets. How are they going to do that? I mean, they sound like they're going to be very expensive. Mm. So so normally um, the prices can be hundred dollars, hundred and eighty dollars um, for sure. day passes. They can go up. So they can be overseas up to five thousand rands. It depends how long you want to be uh, at the weekend. If you just want to go for for the Sunday race or want to be at practice or qualifying. Um, what I've also read, which is really encouraging, is they said they for South African citizens they'll reduce the prices. So they'll um, if you're a South African citizen, you'll get prices that are more affordable. Um, so let's hopefully that is possible um, for us so that it, it can be more affordable so that we can have South Africans sitting in the stands and not only people with uh, dollars or euros. And I mm. think that's good. Um, you know, that's already quite encouraging. But of course, it's good for the economy um, when people are coming over to, to come race at Kailami, um, or, or rather to view at Kailami. Um, and of course, you seeing it. It's just, you know, when people watch Kailami, the heritage of Kailami goes back um, to almost the start of Formula One. And every year there was a Formula One Grand Prix at um, 
um, at Kalami. I think the last one was in 93 or 94 was the last um, uh, Grand Prix. Edmund Senna still raced here. So, um, so and, and the track has a rich heritage and it's changed a few times, but there's three corners, Sunset, Clubhouse and the S's that are actually part of that um, Kalami that goes back to the 60s. So uh, it's really exciting and, and, and uh, Kalami, of course, is a special place. Uh, if you look at some of the tracks, they're quite boring, horrible tracks to race at. Um, um, the designer at one stage, Formula One, had a designer which didn't excite most racing drivers because he had technical tracks, but they, they, they had like lost their heart. Now, Kalami, uh, none of that because it's elevation. It's up and down. Um, there's lots of compound corners where one corner, you have to get the car right in one corner for the next corner. There's lots of overtaking possibilities. So the racing will be exciting, and the Formula One drivers will love it because it's that track's a doozy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so apologies done, um, and I'm really excited. I just cannot wait to see a Formula One Grand Prix back in South Africa again. It's going to be interesting because I think once you start to do that, you start to see the area. Um, the area will probably change as well. We'll probably see more hotels developing in that area. I mean, all of that starts to then impact, I imagine. That's the thing. Is Well, uh, um, the space is, of course, an, an issue. And, and, and luckily, they, they rescued the track because um, at, at the track worth property-wise is more um, than, you, you know, it would have been better to sell it off as property as opposed to keep a racetrack there because the property there is quite valuable. So luckily, we've kept the track. So Toby Finter, they, they've saved the track. Um, it's the best track to drive on. It's on the country. It's the most challenging. So, um, if, uh, yes, it can only be good. So really, really, really exciting. I, you know, so I cannot wait. Um, it might actually come to the, it might be, because I've been reading other articles, might be that we lose a track like Spa, which is heartbreaking because that's um, mm. one of the best tracks to watch and, and one of the most Where exciting. And, and, and Spa Francochamps in um, Belgium. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, well, let's hope it's they don't lose Spa. But, um, of course, we want a South African Grand Prix. Um, the FIA um, um, and Liberty Media have said they, they want a Grand Prix in Af- Africa. So it's quite exciting. Jeez, it'll be very exciting. Cannot, I cannot Let's wait. Um, hope that they do have a different price for South Africans, though. Yes. $180 for anybody to go for the day. That's like close to 3,000 Rand. Yeah, That's it's, it's insane. Epic, so. That's very exclusive for sure. Nico, you and I had the most uh, fascinating experience yesterday. You took me for a little guided tour in um, one of the Audi electric cars. And Mm -hmm. for the first time, I saw up close some of the things that uh, one could do with that car, just thinking about it. Very, very beautiful. But what struck me, and we spoke about this, and seeing as we are talking about Formula One, was you, you, you showed me a video of how you had raced it yeah i just uh, um, i'd driven a, a, a just electric car on the track and and the thing is these on cars, the kailami on, on kailami yes so i've spent a lot of my life doing driver training in kailami um, days and days i think if you no, probably months if you count them all up um so um, i've had lots of fun on the track and, and i've driven lots of cars on it and, and it's, it's a, just a special place so driving electric cars on the track um and i drove this specific one we're talking about which is the um, audi rs e-tron gt uh, and this car is so fast, when we pulled off at the, in the pits, I normally would tell the guys, okay, just put your head back in the headrest. Because when I mash the throttle, um, the car just launches. And you could, every time, if I didn't tell them that, I'd hear their headrest or their heads hitting the backrest, like 
ba-ba. Uh, so that's like you, you say put your head back because of the G-force. Yeah, just assume. acceleration because electric cars, um, uh, the, the electric motor has all the torque available immediately. So when you put your foot down, the car goes. There's no lag. Any fast car um, has to get the revolutions up. So if you take whatever performance car um, – at the engine starts, maybe even you're launching at 3,000 RPM, and then the revs build, and uh, the acceleration sort of um, is almost uh, it's almost linear. With an electric car, it's immediate. The reaction is immediate, and the car just goes and goes. It just, I mean, if you, it, the video I showed you, um, for, you know, it looks like beautifully it's, shot. It's, I no, it looks like say. it's just fast forwarded. Yeah, like just the thing disappears. And you think, okay, that's you know the old movies, um, like oh, they they've just put, it up. yeah speeded it up to make it look faster. That's what <laughs> it looks like. Um, so electric cars are unbelievably fast. When when you yeah. drive them for the first time, the, the acceleration catches you out. And this especially, this is a performance car. So that thing just flies. But then, of course, what we were talking about was, is it possible that we could see an electric Formula One? And my answer was, oh, please no. <laughs> <laughs> please no. That's, that's, that would be horrible. That would just be horrible. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, thank you. So Formula One, part of Formula One is just the, the way the cars sound. Um, uh, and, and even now, the cars are actually quite sad. It's like mm. they're, they're horrible. Um, and I understand what they want to do. But a while back, they had um, a V10. I think it was a Renault on one of the tracks. And all the Formula One drivers were leaning out, taking video clips of this Formula One V10 car going around the track. I remember once being at Kalami, and we were working, and we weren't on the track that day. But standing there, and they had um, Formula One cars. It was actually a two-seater car going around. About the third time it went around, I actually had to, because uh, I was standing on the pit wall just next to where the car, car passes. My ears are actually starting to hurt. Um, so Formula One was always about the sound. And you thought that like, was good. I was like, that's great. You know, the, my ears must yeah, bleed. If the blood starts <laughs> running out from a Formula One car, that's what it should sound like. So, <laughs> so it's quite sad the way they sound now. They're like, they're not, they don't excite me, and, and they're not going. And I understand what they're doing is to say, listen, we want. Um, we want to have hybrid cars and smaller engines, but part of Formula One is that emotion of the engines. And mm. we have Formula E, which is a very, which is a formula with electric cars racing. Oh, do but, we have that? Yeah, that's uh, overseas, and they're coming to Cape Town as far as I, I think next year or the year after. They're, they're coming to race in Cape Town, but they're like. Like a mosquito. Yeah, yeah. Even a mosquito sounds great. So these, these, they don't excite <laughs> me. So yeah, the racing is okay, but part of Formula One is the sound, and yeah. it'll be a, a sad, sad day when they go to um, electric only. And I'm not. That's I don't. It's not that I don't like electric cars, or, or I understand the idea. Just for racing, it's a bit sad. But they could go as fast. They could go. So, I mean, uh, you can. Uh, those Formula E cars are extremely fast. Again, immediate torque um, mm. is the thing. So, and they've improved. Formula E initially had a battery, um, um, but that wasn't great. So half, half they raced halfway in the race. They had to sp- jump in another car that had a full battery again because they couldn't do the complete race with one battery. So they had two cars stopped. Oh. Jo- yeah. So now it's better. So now you can do the full race. But just Formula One is about emotion and sound. And please don't take that away. That'll yeah. that'll hurt a lot. Um, but yeah. But let's look at those electric. Cars so let's look at the positive. Of yeah. For exactly outside yeah. of that, um, electric cars are amazing and. Um, a lot of people, you know, you can talk about electric cars, um, um, but like anything else, I can tell you how great a coffee is. Um, well, Dr. Phil says, Okay, sorry, I can't. Dr. Phil says you can't talk about a coffee, and he says your apology for not bringing coffee is, 
is not accepted and you I need know. to do better. Okay, I need to do <laughs> <laughs> I need to do much better and I need much to make it better, up to you. Dr. I need to make it up that's to you. True. But uh, but describing a coffee or tasting a coffee, that's the same with electric cars. We can talk about it and um but once you drive them it's almost like a light goes on it's like, "Ooh, I get this. I understand this." With electric cars, they're quiet. Really uh, I mean, you did. You switched it on. We were in the car and you switched it on and it was just like Nothing. Nothing. And when you move, it's the same thing. It's just nothing. So when you start driving, mm-hmm. the same thing happens. It's like an invisible hand's pushing the car. So the first time you drive an electric car, it's quite odd. It's like, I- I'm moving, but mm-hmm. I hear nothing. Um, and then, of course, that immediacy of the acceleration in any electric car, even if it's a small electric car, that would be an entry-level electric car. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be just uh, the, the acceleration is, is actually phenomenal. I drove an e-Golf. I don't know if you remember a while back we mm-hmm. spoke about an e-Golf. Um, and and that car was effectively not an electric platform and a small little car, but you know if you put your foot down, the acceleration is like whoa, this is not bad at mm. all. And um, so that's another thing with electric cars: the, the quietness, the immediacy of the reaction when of the we, car. When we when we got in, um, it does have a small sound just to start. That's so it. that you know that the engine hasn't <laughs> that that the motor is the on. Engine on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it depends on the car. So in this case, um, the one we sat in the the the, the RS e-tron GT, and I'll do a, a review of one later and um, mm. drive one for a little bit longer. Then we can talk about it more, uh, um, especially on the road, because um, I just drove it on the track. Mm. Um, but um, uh, with electric cars, you don't hear them. So it could also be that pedestrians, people don't hear them. So mm. the sound is there to add a bit of emotion. Um, so you can hear it on the outside and on the inside. So you hear it, but it's like a, it's like a futuristic hum, right? Mm. It was a bit noisy inside, so I don't think you really got the full uh, to hear no, it completely. We did. But we okay, did. so you can yeah. hear it's like a, it's like a almost like a hum, but it's a could be something from Star Trek or, or Star Wars, you know. So it's sort of a <laughs> futuristic hum. But some electric cars still don't make a sound, and they're quite quiet. <laughs> oh, no. But also, um. One of the things I noticed was when we started, there's no gears. So it's like it's like your car is either in neutral, drive, park, or reverse. That's it. So if you're just moving the electric motor forwards or backwards, so it has a little small little stubby thing. It doesn't even have neutral, does it? And no, it does no, it have does. neutral. So, yeah. so you need to be able to, to, to just push the car. But all that you're doing really is just moving forwards or backwards. So electric cars are simple things from the outside. They're like toys. They look like any other car, but they're like little toys. So that mm. small, where you know, if you're a kid and you had a little electric car, you turn it around. There's two batteries at the bottom, so you put your your, your batteries in there, turn it, uh, you know, switch it on, and off you go. Um, and it had batteries and little wires to an electric motor, and that was the whole engine driver, the whole thing. And electric cars are the same thing. Battery How much pack. space does the battery take up in that car? So the it takes. Um, so at? actually, almost all electric cars, um, if they now have a platform, it's like a skateboard. So think about a skateboard. You've got the the where you're standing, and you've got the wheels at the ends mm. of the skateboard. So with an electric car, the just behind the front wheels, um, and just in front of the back wheels, that floor, that whole floor, is taken up by the battery. So the battery, sure. effectively, it's where huge. you're sitting, yeah, it's about the size of a three quarter bed, roughly, not exactly a, a double bed. So the width of the car, and the the distance between the wheels, um, and it's that's not very high. Maybe I guess about. What's that, 150 mils? Mm. Um, So the floor is effectively the batteries because the benefit is a low center of gravity. Mm. And then um, the battery size, the bigger the battery, the the more range you have. So um, the batteries are measured in what we call kilowatt hours. So um, the car we looked at had a 93 kilowatt hour battery, which is actually quite a big one. 
Um, I know Mercedes-Benz have got, I think, 105 kilowatt hour battery. So those tend to be quite big. But the downside, the batteries are quite heavy. So the bigger the battery, the heavier the car becomes. Because the yeah. batteries are still heavy on their own. They could be six, 700 kilograms, just, just the battery. But when we think about, for example, how, um, you know, like, for example, a computer was once the size of a room and is now the size of a tiny little cell exactly. phone. Um, likewise, we could probably see that with batteries as well. I think that's what the manufacturers are walking, walking working towards mm. is making the batteries, um, giving you a longer range with them yeah. um, so that it got close to 700 kilometers, eight or 900 kilometers even, or maybe a 1,000, yeah. uh, and also making them lighter because they're quite heavy. And I think one thing as well is, uh, you know, ideally we want less precious metals. I don't think it's that easy necessarily, but the metals in, in, in the batteries – um, we also want something that's more sustainable. Mm. But I guess it, it depends on the manufacturers. A lot of the, the manuf- car manufacturers are also looking at the second life of the battery. Um, yes. So what happens is if the battery gets to a point where you say, hang on, it's not good enough for my electric car anymore, it can still be used in a factory. Yeah. So the manufacturer would take those cells because the, the batteries are made up of that specific car. The battery is actually uh, the, the, um, different cells. Yeah. And if a cell is full, you can just replace a cell. But the cell can go back to a factory and use in a machine in the factory. It could be like a power bank. So in other yeah. words, you could if you put all those cells, you could store energy in those cells, yeah. even if it's not good enough for a car anymore, um, it still works quite well. So let's say there's a point, and I don't know what the point is, let's say when the battery gets to 70 or 60%, they say, well, it's not good enough for the car anymore. Yeah. It still works, and it works well. So the, the, even the car manufacturers are looking at second life of the battery, so we don't just, after the, it comes out of the car, um, it's gone. So um, so one of the things you were talking about um I mean, there, there were a couple of areas that were just interesting. The one thing that you were talking about was that the thing about having a car like the the Audi that we looked at yesterday. What's mm-hmm. it called? The Audi RS e-tron GT. The Audi RS e-tron GT. It's so it's, a, it's effectively, yeah, it's a, it's a performance car or a sport yeah. car. And then we looked at one that was like an SUV-ish. That was called the Audi e-tron. So that's an, that's an SUV. That's very nice, I must say. But one of the things you were saying is you can't say, okay, I wake up this morning and I go, wow, it's a beautiful weekend. I am going to go and drive off to the Cedarburg to Matruis Reserve to see the snow and uh, have some fun. You would have to decide at least – you have to plan. It's all about planning because you need to freaking load that battery up. You can't just load it up or fill it with petrol at the last minute. That's it. So and if you wake up in the morning, okay, let's you know, let's take a road trip. Oh, you know what? Let's just go to a filling because the light's on. Okay, let's go mm. to the filling station and off we go. The, the mindset change with electric cars, that's one of them is um, some planning needs to take place because the charging isn't always – it isn't immediate mm. um, because you're putting energy into the battery um, and how quickly you can put the energy into the battery depends on the size let's just say the size of the charger effectively yeah. the, the kilowatts of the charger so um, home charger a three point plug doesn't work it's just frustratingly slow there'll probably mm. be something like three days it'll um, yeah, you'll, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't make it yeah. out of frustration um, the, the basic charger at home would be about 13 and a half hours to get to get and again this is, these are very uh, yeah, it's difficult but I'm just yeah. sort of saying from 5% all the way full, um, roughly about 13 hours. Then if you start looking at home charging, when you get to 22 kilowatts, if you have a three-phase home, that might might be about four hours. And then some of the public chargers, they'll go to 60 kilowatts, um, and they now have direct current, which means they charge directly into the battery. Um, and they start looking at it, you're looking at an hour or even half an hour. So it's also then you get to a point where um, with electric cars, 
let's say you know you're driving further tomorrow, you yeah. charge it at night tonight. So you say, okay, tomorrow I've got a long trip. Let me charge the battery full. Um, if you wake up um, in the morning and you decide to do that, you say, okay, where's the DC charger? So we'll go there. Before we get to the Cedarburg, let's just go for a coffee, stop, charge it for half an hour, and off we go. Yeah. So um, you can't just say, okay, let's fill it up now, and five minutes later you go. So that's one thing that is a mindset change is there's a bit more planning if you know you're going to drive further. But, of course, you could just charge it every day if you wanted to. And the convenience of charging electric cars is while you are, are, are making something to eat, while you're sitting next to the fire because it's cold or you're watching TV or listening to us on this AFM, um, while you're sleeping, the car's charging. Yeah. And ESCOM's got two hours of load shedding. But you're there at least 12 hours every day. So with two hours of load shedding. So, so that was something. And we, I've got a couple of questions I just want yes. to jump out for you from our listeners. Um, but that was one of the things we were talking about. Like, obviously, the when you look at the charging um, panel, it's, yes. it's not, as you say, like a three-prong plug that you just shove in. Mm-hmm. They would have to really give you a proper charging panel. What about the issue of ESCOM? I mean, everybody uses that as the. It's 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 almost it's almost yeah it's 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 an easy excuse that actually doesn't hold any water, um, because yes we have issues but um, and I, and I don't know what it'll be like when we have um, a million electric cars to charge that'll be a different story but currently ESCOM isn't an issue because load shedding is two hours um, and if I get home at six and leave at six in the morning um, I can start charging as I get home and if there's two hours of load shedding I still have ten hours in which to charge. Um, mm. And with electric cars, you don't have to charge every day because the range, depending on the car, can be 400. Some of them are now five or even 600 kilometers. So you don't actually have to charge every day. The, on average, people um, research says in South Africa about 30 kilometers every day, roughly, on average. So some drive further and, and some drive closer. But um, So if you're a person that's a rep and drives 600 k's a day, maybe electric cars aren't for you. Um, and um, But if you have... A household with two cars, then they are ideal for the city. They are ideal cars where there's infrastructure, um, and you're actually not charging at public charges. That's that, that question I get a lot as well. So where do I charge? Well, you actually charge at home because it's cheap, because mm. you've got the lowest rates for electricity, and it's convenient. You don't have to go to a public charger. You only really use the public chargers when you're driving long distance along the way. But then the cars plan that. So um, you, you say, I'm drive to Pretoria, put it into the nav, and the car says, okay, so the route is there, stop there, stop there, stop there, and then you get so it actually puts the chargers in, and there's 441 charging points already in the country. So there's enough infrastructure already. Cat uh, wants to know: Do you have any idea what are the risks of electric car batteries igniting and exploding when it's on charge? No, I've had very. I haven't seen that. I've seen videos, um, but the thing is, videos with YouTube, I, I don't trust them because I don't know what the background is. I don't know who's tinkered with the battery, what exactly the situation mm. is. But I haven't seen that at all with 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 normal or major manufacturers. I've seen crazy Tesla things, but I don't know what they are, and we, you know, I don't know the background. But I haven't had no problems. The car manufacturers have put very good safety systems in place. If there's certain overheating, it cuts or the, the power will be cut off from from the charger so i haven't seen that so uh, and i as i said I, i've seen videos but i don't tr- i don't know exactly know the background so i don't always trust them so this is a, a question that was raised by one of our listeners before but it kind of um it, it's it's definitely got legs and to uh, deborah in quasi like you say that it's got legs it <laughs> says that um it would be great to design an electric car with the panel body that could just um charge while you are parked outdoors mm-hmm. And then someone else saying that um, Nico's, let's just hear, um, the green energy would be good as well. And 
were wanting to know as well about solar panels. Uh, Keith wanting to know about solar panels uh, as well. So what's what's the deal? Okay, so quickly, because um, I see I'm running out of time, um, solar panels is the way to go. So you, instead of putting them on the car, you put solar panels in the house. And, and actually, mm. there's, um, there's a nice company that actually talks about um, solar panels. So mm. you, you, need a f- you, you actually quite need a quite a few solar panels at home and a big battery. But what you're then doing is you're taking the energy from the sun, storing it in the battery, and then putting it in, into the car. So there are some losses. I spoke to the guys because yeah. that was quite interesting. Um, but that would be the best way. So actually taking sun energy, instead of having those panels on the car, running your house, um, getting off the grid, storing the energy um, in batteries at home, and then putting that energy into the car. But it's not the most efficient because you're taking energy, storing it, making it a, a, putting it into a battery then changing the, the DC to AC, mm. then back in the car, it goes AC back to DC. So there's losses in the system, but currently that's the best way because it's still for free, the sun. So, and and the, the downside, Michelle, is still unfortunately the cost of the cars and the cost of home charging with solar panels. It's not cheap, but that would be a solution as well in future. Sounds like this is a story that we need to take far further, but I'm afraid it's nine o'clock. Oh, which means you can really go next door to the coffee shop and grab me a coffee. <laughs> Nine o'clock, time for the news. Good morning. <laughs>